Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, the Hall of Famer, Larry Clisby. And today, episode 59 here on the podcast, and we want to welcome in one of the all-time Purdue greats, Troy Lewis, joins us here on the podcast. And uh, before we get started, Troy, thanks a lot for taking time to join us. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be on and uh, talking to uh, you and uh, obviously Cliz. I'm glad Cliz is back doing his thing. Well, and I want to, I, I was talking with Larry before we gave you a call here, and I wanted to get, I wanted to start there because uh, you are in, in, in an elite group. Um, every time Cliz talks about his top five favorite boilers, uh, Troy Lewis is always right there. And uh, you've got a high, uh, high place on his list, uh, if I recall correctly. Correct, uh, Cliz? Highest place. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> the all-time favorite Boilermaker in Larry's mind. So uh, I really appreciate that. You know, uh, I was just out there just trying to play, and Larry did a good job of describing my game and uh, always be appreciative of it. Well, we um... – People always ask me, well, what's what's the difference between Troy and maybe a Carson or a Glenn or somebody like uh, Robbie or anybody uh, that's his equal? And uh, I said there were just there's just something about him, the way he carried himself uh, at practice, and you know when he went around the team and who he talked to, and he, he was just. Um, Really, really special, and he was one hell of a player. Uh, highly underrated. Um, he, uh, he he could score with the best of them in this conference's history, and uh, I just and I never could replace him. I mean, I've always, you know, <laughs> Carson Carson had a year last year that was oh, good yeah. enough to replace Troy. But he, he'd have to put four of them together, you know. <laughs> he's he's pretty special. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but he's uh, Troy's a special player, and and especially in my heart. Of course, I was that was back when I was much much younger, and he was. So was I, Larry. So was I. That was when. Um, you know, uh, my brain was being uh, wired, and um, I just never saw anybody better than Troy. But oh, thank that's you. my opinion. Well, we'll and I want to get into we're going to get into a lot of those accolades and everything. But uh, before we kind of get into that part of it, I wanted to ask you, Troy, when you were growing up, um, obviously went to Anderson High School. But did you grow up and born and raised in Anderson? Yes, I was born and raised in Anderson. Um, you know, always wanted to be an Anderson Indian. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know anything outside of that. Yeah. Except for playing in the, except for playing in the wigwam. You know, it was, it was a tunnel vision at that time. I didn't even knew college, and you know, obviously I heard of the NBA, and you know, I, I heard of college and stuff like that. But my whole focus was to uh, be an Indian and play in the wigwam. Well, when did you notice, uh, and I ask this of all the former players just because I'm always curious, at what age did you realize, like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this basketball thing and, and better than my peers? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I always knew I could shoot. Uh, that's the thing. I always knew that I can put the ball in a hole. Um, when I was in the fourth grade, uh, we had this, it was called a Saratoma free throw shooting contest, and I remember – 
making the team as a fourth grader. And back then, it was no, you know, either you made a team or you didn't. It was no, <laughs> yeah. you know, sixth grade basketball, fifth grade basketball. It was one and all. So I was very fortunate to make the team as a fourth grader. And I remember, you know, our coach was like, hey, whoever makes the most free throws will represent Raleigh Elementary in the Saratoma at the, at the junior high. And I remember winning it. And so I knew that I always had that, that uh, shooting touch. So I always had confidence in my shooting ability. So you talked about the wigwam, and it's funny because that was one of the first things I wrote down here when I was kind of thinking about the things that I wanted to talk about with you. And take people back, um, especially those, because we have a lot of listeners that are Purdue fans around the country. And um, while a majority of them uh, may have spent time at some point here in Indiana and most likely going to Purdue, we also have some that are out of state that uh, maybe don't mm-hmm. know exactly the you know the significance of Indiana high school basketball and the wigwam in Anderson, but the home court of your high school that was a huge gym, seat, uh, sat over eight thousand people um, that mm-hmm. would fill up regularly, and it was as good an environment as most colleges are. And when you talk about that, that was like the goal when you were a kid, I can completely understand that. But, but talk about that for those who may not. Well, it's, it's so hard to describe because it was such a special place. Um, you know, growing up, my mom used to take us to the wigwam when we were kids and watch Roy Taylor, who was my idol at the time. He ended up winning Mr. Basketball in 1974. So as a kid, I watched him and I kind of patterned my game after him because he was a great shooter as well. And just walking in, you smell the popcorn. People from Anderson would know what I'm talking yeah, about. You yeah, walk into yeah. the wigwam, you smell that popcorn. You knew it was uh, it was going to be a big game, especially when we played the Marians, the Muncie Centrals. You know, back then it was just. You know, it's still, I know high school basketball is still a big deal in Indiana, but when you had one class and you had big schools like that, that when they walked into the wigwam, I mean, it was, it was just a big deal. I mean, you walked in, when you even parked, you had people outside asking for tickets. Can they get in? Yeah. Uh, you know, like I just tell, it's just so hard to describe. And, and I was just very fortunate uh, to be able to grow up in that environment. And I always thank my mom for, uh, you know, taking those two, those games to make me have that vision of knowing, Hey, one day I wanted to play, uh, on the wigwam floor. And I think if you would tell people, especially out of state that people were scalping tickets for a high school game, they would look at you like you had horns grown out of your head, but that was the way it was. I mean, that was a happening, um, yeah. And, and and that was the case in a lot of a lot of a lot of towns and cities throughout Indiana, but but Anderson obviously had good basketball, great environment, it all kind of worked really well. Um, so you get to the point where you get to the high school level and you make the team. So what did that feel like then when you had finally kind of made it? And how were you know what were your thoughts like as a freshman and early on? Well, you know, to be honest, as a freshman, I, I, that's all I played was freshman basketball. And I had two older brothers, uh, Kendrick and Scotty, who were on the varsity team. So, you know, coming home, uh, you know, they would just tell me stories. I watched them play. You know, they used to beat my butt up to playing basketball <laughs> in the backyard. So, yeah. it, you know, it was always I was always humbled uh, growing up. But 
to have someone in your house playing on that level, you know, playing varsity, you know, that was another way of me connecting to uh, playing in the wigwam. Uh, uh, my first made it, uh, I was a sophomore and I was trying out for the JV team actually. And uh, didn't think I was going to make varsity because uh, coach Held had me on the JV and had a good uh, workout. And, and I remember him calling me up on the stage and say, Hey, I want you to practice with the varsity. And I will never, ever forget that day. Mm, yeah. And, uh, Nervous or excited or both? Oh, I was, oh, I was excited, yeah. but I still felt like I had to prove myself because he never gave me a practice jersey. Mm. <laughs> I had to wear, because back then, you had to wear, when you tried out, you wore your own stuff. There yeah. wasn't anything, you know, so I was wearing my own practice for stuff for a week, even though I was practicing on the varsity team, and uh, until he gave me that practice jersey, uh, I, I felt... Uh, I belong. But uh, another quick story, though, even my uh, sophomore year, I was not getting a lot of playing time at all. Um, I set the bench. It was about three or four games where I didn't even get in at all. And uh, he was about to put me down to JV. And I remember, you know, being uh, heartbroken. And But for some reason, I had the best week of practice I ever had. And we get up. He said, hey, I'm going to have you played JV against Fort Wayne Wayne? And he kept putting it off. And so I'm thinking, okay, he's not going to have me play JV. So back then they used to pack our traveling bags. So I get my traveling bag and looked inside. There was a JV uniform in there. Mm. So I was just, I was just crushed. <laughs> we're we were going to play up at Fort Wayne Wayne. So I get off the bus and I asked Coach Hale, I said, hey, I don't know why I asked this question. I said, hey, do you still want me to play JB? And he was like, uh, he said, oh, let's hold off because we had to play Muncie Central the next day on mm. Saturday. Okay. So he was like, oh, let's just hold off. Uh, you just dress, just dress varsity. I was like, okay. So Coach L goes to his pregame talk. And I'm just sitting in the back. And he just out of the blue, he said, hey, I'm going to make a change in the lineup. I said, Troy, you're starting. Wow. At the two guard. Wow. And right then I told myself, I said, no one is getting this position back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it just, I don't know what Coach Hell saw in me at that time, but he put me in that position and, and I had a good game and came back the next night against Muncie Central, had 14 against them the next night as a sophomore, and I never looked back. And that's really what – you know, you talked, you asked me earlier about when, when I felt like I was all okay, I can play on a level. I think that was the moment when I knew, when I, especially when we played Muncie Central at the Wigwam, when it was, you know, over 8,400 people in the crowd that, yeah. you know, I can, I was able to hold my own against those guys. Wow. Did you win that game? Yes. Oh, yes. We won <laughs> it. I can, you know, my memory is crazy. I remember I had three pictures in the paper and I was at my girlfriend's house and her father came out and said, Hey, you're in the paper. You know, she couldn't tell me nothing, but still I had to go home to my brothers. That is cool. That is really cool. That, so that, I mean, that is amazing that that's, 
um, such a defining moment and completely understandable. I can see how that would be um, kind of etched in your memory. And I think very mature, I think it speaks to you as a sophomore, just being able to say in the moment, like, look, I'm not, I'm not giving this up. And, uh, and that's part of the, I think that's one of the things that maybe a lot of people who aren't um, in a locker room or around a team on a daily basis may not understand about college basketball team or basketball teams in general is that, yeah, you're going out and trying to play five as one unit in games, but in practice, it, there's a whole nother war that goes on with guys trying to earn each other's minutes and take spots from each other. And it's, it's, that's one of the reasons it's so hard to have a, a close knit team is because you're trying to beat each other's brains in, you mm-hmm. know, three or four days a week. And then on the game nights, Hey, we got to bury the hatchet and all go out and try to get it done for Purdue or the high school or whoever you might be playing for. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting dynamic with, uh, with team sports like that. Yeah, it is. You know, like you said, especially when you get up to college where everybody can, can play. Yeah, yeah. But I always, you know, I always tell people that basketball is a selfish game at times. I mean, you have to be selfish at times, not taking all the shots, but you know, Hey, I got to go try to get the most rebounds. I'm trying to get the most assists. You know, right. I'm trying to, uh, stay on the floor as much as I can. I don't want coach to take me out of the game. You know, that's yeah, always yeah. been, you know, coach Katie always got on me about how I look when I got taken out of the game. <laughs> but, but that's the part of the selfishness you have to have. And that's, that was part of my motivation. But with that, you have to respect your teammates to know that I can't win this without, without them. You know, yep. as much as you battle and practice and how much you want to play, you know you cannot beat other great teams by yourself. You gotta have your teammates, and there's no better feeling than you know when you can come down and you trust that guy next to you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's when you know you got confidence not only in yourself but in your teammates. Well, that's a great way to put it, and um, I, it's funny you mentioned when you get when you got taken out and Coach Katie didn't like the look on your face. There's been. I know when Coach Painter takes guys out and they have a certain look, like he always explains to them, like, look, I'm not upset that you're mad. Like, you should be mad. Like, if, you, if you're not mad that you come out of the game, then I'm going to start thinking, like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, everybody should have that competitiveness to him. Um, but it's kind of the way you, 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 you know, meld in, into a team concept. So um, back, to the, uh, back to Anderson and, and the wigwam. Larry, did you ever get over there to cover a game when you were um, – especially when Troy kind of came to prominence then? No, I never did. Uh, we we went over and did some stories on Troy, but we never. I never got a chance to see a game there, and that's a tremendous disappointment. But there's so there's there's so many gyms, uh, not similar because uh, the wigwam was was the pinnacle. But um, there there were two or three Newcastle. There was, yes, yeah. there were some others that were just as as big and. And uh, Marion, they just, uh, you know, those North Central Conference days were really special. And, of course, uh, being here in Lafayette, we had Lafayette Jeff. And they were a big part of it, too. And uh, it, it was just a, it was a golden league, man. It was just golden. Oh, it was it was so special. I mean, Larry, you, you, you hit it. Uh, I remember my sophomore year, we played um, – 
Newcastle, you know, they had Alfred at the time. He was a junior. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the place, they brought in extra bleachers around the top, and <laughs> it was like 14,000 people there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it was, we went triple overtime. And, wow. And it was just a great atmosphere. We won, so that's why I'm bringing it, up Was the that story. the best game you've ever been, a, was that the best game you've ever been a part of? Uh, no, actually, um, my junior year we played. Steve was a south. I uh, was a senior at the time, and we played them at the wigwam. And he had like a sixty-something consecutive free throw uh, streak going, oh. and it came came down to the last. Uh, we were up one, and he gets fouled. I didn't think it was a foul. We thought it was a clean block, <laughs> but anyway, you know. He got the Jordan rule a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but he gets up to the free throw line. I mean, the place is just you understand the way one people do. It. Oh yeah, it was you know it was so loud. And I remember Coach Hell said, "Hey, before the referee gives him the ball, we're going to call a timeout." So just before he got got the ball, my brother, who's the captain of the team, called timeout, and we get into the huddle. And Coach Hell was like, he's going to miss this free throw. We were going like, what? This guy has made 60-something in a row. There's no way he's going to miss this free throw. Is it missed the first one. And Coach Hell goes like, before he gets the next ball, let's call another timeout. Wow. And, and we get in the huddle. We call the timeout. And he say, he's going to miss this one too. And we're going to win this game. And he goes up and missed both free throws. Oh, my and goodness. we get the rebound. And, and we – our uh, student body stormed the court and I scored my first career high. I broke the school record uh, in scoring that game. And and it was just, we actually had a, a party afterward. We, we already, <laughs> we, uh, it was already a school party was already scheduled for after that game. So it just, it just made for just the perfect storm, you know, to, to have Steve miss both free throws and I get my, uh, at that time, my career high breaking a school scoring record, and so it was. Uh, that was one of our most memorable games. Uh, How many did you have? Season. How many did you have that game? I had forty-two, I think. Yeah, mm, I think nice. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, when those like obviously, um, Steve was a great player. You were a great player. When you have those matchups a lot, like it's one thing to have the matchup, but it's another thing then to have the game be a good game you know sometimes there's a big build up and then the game's just okay but for you guys to have two great games and back-to-back seasons like that that i mean you can make arguments that those two games are two of the greatest high school games probably in the state's history in terms of the magnitude the crowd the great players great programs Mm -hmm. that's that's really cool really cool stuff yeah back then you know obviously there's no social media and then there's no television games so you know, you only just had the word of mouth of the fans and, you know, and our reflection as players, Yeah. Um, you know, about those games. But, yeah, it, it was just a special time. So at what point did colleges start calling on you and did the, did the college recruitment start picking up? Well, it was actually uh, my junior year. Ball State was really the first school that, uh, that took interest in me. And who was, coach, um, who was coaching at Ball State then? Uh, Steve Yoder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was a coach and they had Ray McCollum was on the team. Yep. Uh, I remember going over there and watching him, uh, watching him play. Uh, but 
really picked up after we uh, went to the state. Um, and then I went to five star in between uh, my junior and senior year, and that's when it really kind of exploded uh, after that. And and talk to talk to us real quick about um, five star for those who aren't familiar with that. Well, it was the the premier basketball camp uh, in the country at the time, and it was played outdoors. Believe it or not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything was outdoors, uh, and you had who's who of coaches not only teaching, but they were uh, there to watch you play. A uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, my first coach was John Calipari. He was my uh, he was my coach at the time, but that was before anybody knew who John was. Yeah. Um, so uh, you just had – it was just a – this was a big time. This is, you know, obviously it was no AAU like it is now. So that's where you got your exposure. Yeah. And that's there at five star. And then, uh, Garfinkel, uh, who ran the camp, um, you know, who passed away, I think a few years ago, right. Yeah. Uh, did, did a great job of, uh, bringing in the who's who of high, uh, high school basketball players. Yeah. So Garfinkel ran it. And as you said, the cream of the crop, high schoolers attended and coaches, head coaches, and and some assistants worked the camp and actually worked. Yes, you know, actually ran drills and worked and evaluated and gave feedback. And as you said, as a who's who of coaches and a lot of, uh, well, all the big names of the day and the a lot of East Coasters. Uh-huh. Um, but it was uh, like if I, I would be curious to go back and like Google and find some like if they did like group photos. I mean, it would be incredible to circle some of the, the, you know, hall of famers that were in those, at those camps. And as you said, this is before AAU, it's a chance for those guys to really do their summer recruiting and find out who they're kind of going to, you know, go after and recruit. Well, at my desk now, I still got the list of all the coaches and players that was there when I was there. Somehow I got the list. I don't know who sent it to me, but I still got it. And every now and then I look at who was like, uh, you know, Patino was was one of the counselors there. It was just the people who were counselors. They weren't even like coaches at the time. Yeah. There are now big time coaches. Yeah. That was Bill Self was Bill Self was there. I mean, it was it was crazy. And uh, uh, you know, every now and like I say, every now and then I look at it and look at some of the players that were there. Um, and you know, just it's just amazing. So so at what point did um you know, what point did Coach Katie, do you remember the first interaction you had with him, first conversation? Uh, no, I don't quite remember the, the first time. It was really Coach Weber Okay. Uh, kind of contacted me. You know, back then you got letters. It's just how crazy I, I was. <laughs> I was just so naive about the process Yeah. that you got letters back then, and they gave you questionnaires. Yep. And I would fill out the questionnaire and send it back. And then they always put on there, hey, if you need anything, call us. But, you know, they didn't really mean it, you know. <laughs> but but me, how I was thinking, they missed it. So I would call these coaches up. Wow. I would call, I called Denny Crum up. It was like, hey, coach. <laughs> he didn't know who the hell I was. There was no way at that time he knew who I was. But I would sit there and call these coaches. It was an 800 number, so hey, it was free. Yeah. And I did all that. And uh, 
but as far as Coach, uh, yeah, it was Coach Weber who was the first one um, who kind of talked to me. Um, you know, I obviously follow Purdue basketball. I mean, I knew Eugene Parker and and uh, uh, and those guys, uh, Walt. Uh, following them, Joe Barry Carroll was one of my favorite players. Uh, I wore 22 in junior high because of Joe Barry Carroll. So oh, I wow. knew that's cool. Uh, I knew a lot of Purdue guys, but I also, you know, I followed Indiana because we had Ray Tolbert, Bobby Wilkerson, who were all from Anderson, who played at uh, played at Indiana. So I, especially Bobby Wilkerson, who played on that '76 team. Yeah. So I. You know, I watched him uh, growing up, so I knew who, who uh, Bobby Knight and all those guys were. And players uh, would know this. You know, they had that like before the games, like on WTTV. You know, they have the pregame. You know, you had the woman in the, the Indiana had the had the woman in the the custodian basically the custodian. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, and Purdue had their had their opening, and it was just so and our great. Guy with the tuba. Our guy yes. with the tuba, yeah, he was up in yeah. the attic with the tuba. Yeah. Yes, the, yes, and uh, I remember the commercial always said, "Come here, Oscar, come in the house." And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, "Man, that's Oscar Robinson," you know. So I grew up watching all that, and uh, so it was exciting once. You know, I started getting recruited, you know, by the the Indiana schools, you know, obviously Purdue and, and uh, Indiana. So, um, but yeah, that's how crazy I was. I didn't I didn't understand the the recruiting process because, like I said, I was in my I was in a cocoon in, in Indiana and in Anderson. You know, it was yeah. all about playing in wigwam and trying to win a state championship. But so, that's cool. I think that that's one of the things that. Um... You know, it's every as you mentioned, there was no social media, and I think one of the changes now is everything is so, um, well, really global. To be honest, I mean, if you have a phone, you're connected to the world, and yes. when you're when you know in those days, you didn't have a phone, and so you're in small town Indiana, and you're in like you said, you're in your cocoon, and, and you know what? And that was fine. Life was still great. So <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was. I did. You know, I didn't even. You know, I got. Kansas was one of my choices. I really didn't know anything about Kansas basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I was shocked when I took my visit to Kansas and realized, you know, Will Chamberlain played there. Hey, right. Smith played there. Yeah. I'm going like, what, Naismith? You know, I'm going like, that Kansas didn't have a clue. So who was I the coach at Kansas? Uh, Larry Brown. Yep. Larry Brown was the coach. And, uh, and, and <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Calipari was the assistant. So yep. that's how he, you know, he, he, he recruited because he was with me at uh, Five Star. And, and Coach Calipari let me shoot all the time at Five Star. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can go here and play. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah. And, and Kansas, obviously, a special place and great tradition, as you said. And, um, um, not a ton of Indiana guys. Their, their biggest Indiana guy was probably Clyde Lavellette that played at Terre Haute way back in the day. Yeah. Um, they also it? had a they also, yeah. And they also had a guy uh, when I went there. He was from in, uh, he was from South Bend. I want to say Magley. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Magley. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, Magley. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He was uh, yeah because they were telling me about him and you know being so. Yeah, and, and, you know, think about Kansas. 
you know, which, like I said, I didn't know anything about. When I went to Ball Gallon Fieldhouse, I fell in love with that place only yeah. because it reminded me of – there was the inter-squad game, and it reminded me of the wigwam. Yes, it, it does. Yep. just the energy in that place yep. was incredible. I was like, oh, yes. I said, I can see myself playing yeah. here in uh, playing in Kansas. Yeah, it is a very, very cool place to see a game, no doubt about that. And, yes. and kind of has that yeah. old historic uh, field house yes. feel to it, no doubt. Um, yeah. So, so Kansas and Purdue ended up being your final two. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and Duke was the outside third at the okay. time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those two, those three, and uh, and I, and you know, to be honest with you, Kansas was was ahead of Purdue at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, because of the atmosphere uh, of uh, Long Island and my relationship with Coach Calipari, because I, you know, I did, even though Coach Weber and Coach Katie were recruiting me hard and stuff, I had a relationship with Coach Calipari. Yeah. So felt a little closer to them, but I also, you know, really liked, you know, both, you know, Coach Weber and Coach Katie a lot. So. Well, Coach Katie claims that his car could drive itself from Lafayette to Anderson. That's how many times he went over there to see. <laughs> and I think, and in those days, obviously the recruiting was a lot different because there were weren't as many restrictions on you know how often you could see a kid play. Um, you yeah. know, in our current model, our coaches can only go see a kid. Uh, the ca- or the recruiting calendar for the our listeners, just a little education here. Uh, starts in September and ends in April, and in those in that time period, um, you can only see a kid seven times. And uh, wow! So I think the coach, the coaches in those days, Coach K especially, probably blew through that in two weeks back when you were playing. Was he over there as much as he claims he was? Yeah, he was over. He was over a lot. Uh, a lot of the coaches were. I used to tell my uh, PE teacher. Like, hey, can we play basketball today? Because I got such and such coming in today. I got this coach coming in today. There, I mean, it was like that every, almost every day. I always had. I remember Stanford came and watched me play softball. Really, yeah, softball and PE. Yeah, my, wow. the, the PE teacher didn't want to change, so I was like, I told him, "Hey, we're playing softball today." And I was a big baseball player anyway, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the coach standing outside all time. I was like. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I have a I have a story I want to relate here uh, involving uh, Troy and uh, Norm Held, who was uh, his coach in high school. And I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, who's who's the third guy we're looking at here? Maybe. Well, we got Katie. But anyway, and I knew you. I was going to tell you to tell this story because this is one of the all timers here. Oh, it's, this is a beauty. <laughs> and uh, Gene uh, told me before we left on our trip. I think we 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 were on the road that night, but we had uh, arranged for Norm Held to be in the studio and be our guest. Okay. And so uh, he was going to be our guest, and uh, we we're going to talk about Troy and all that, and Anderson. And so he was there when when we got back, and uh, we welcomed him and making a big old deal. And 
and and then we did the show and on the show we were just talking about how great Troy was and how great city Anderson was and how this was so good and Norm was so great and, and we just went <laughs> on and on and on <laughs> and so and so uh, unbeknownst to me and coach uh, we didn't know the rules very well and so as we prepared to leave and go home we packed up everything and we're going home and finally the day was over a long weekend and we were both looking forward to you know having some downtime and um uh, i'm going out the hallway at tv 18 and Stu metzger god bless him he just passed away this past summer just a wonderful wonderful guy and he was my he was my uh producer for the coaches show all the years I did it and uh he uh he, he was kind of a uh, smallish type guy a little on the dumpy side but he was <laughs> he, he, older and like older in life he got really strong he he, he kind of but he he uh but he ran the show he ran he ran uh, he ran uh, all the produced stuff through uh the right uh, TV station, but he said, but I'm going, I'm heading out the door, man. I'm in the sec. I'm in the second level doors and I'm almost free. I'm a free man, man. I could go. So I go, uh, and he goes, uh, Hey, you guys. Yeah. We didn't know who was saying. And then we turned around and it was, it was, um, Back here, was back here t- calling us back to do. He said, uh, "You guys, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's illegal to have uh, players like Troy on TV shows uh, without permission of certain people." And we said, "No, nah, he can be on. No, he can. And if he is, it's a violation." So, you know, as soon as, soon as Coach Katie hears that, man, like, we got to find somebody to take uh, take uh, Norm Held's place. And, oh. and, uh, and and we had done a hell of a show now. It was one of our better jobs. We, we've, been, we've been on that all night and. We were going to have to cut it up, and we were really looking forward to it. And Troy was, but the, I'll never forget that. And 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 Gene looks at me and he says, "What?" Oh, I can only imagine the I can only I imagine the mood he was in. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? I mean what, we can't we, we can't Troy Lewis on our TV station. No, sir, coach. No, 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 you can't. So, so where so was we, Stu before you started taping? Like, come on, Stu, you got to have that information yeah. before you hit record. <laughs> well, that, well, that's true, but I don't know. Yeah. Because uh, when we, because when we did the, we had to do it all over again. And because we said, what are we going to do? I said, well, get back in your chair. <laughs> and remember about half the stuff he said, which you never can, you never get it good the second time. So, right. but anyway, we went through it about as fast as we could, so we get home to our to our wives and our kids and stuff. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but 
that that was a hell of a show. The old poor Troy, he had to be part of it. He, he he's a student athlete. He's doing two two half hour shows in one evening. So, but it was great. And well, I always tell that story. It all worked out because we end up getting Troy to come to Purdue, and and uh, thank goodness for that. And um, Troy, what do you think? What do you remember about when you finally get to West Lafayette? Well, uh, and I was excited. Uh, uh, I think my first day of conditioning was the most. That was the eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I pride myself in being in shape. So, you know, I'm back in before I got to Purdue, I'm running on the track and stuff. And so I make sure I'm all right. I mean, you guys know, especially you, Ellie, that it is a different beast. Yep. When you go to do conditioning as a freshman on a college level. Yep. So I had the first day, I remember we were running out, and now it's where the – because we start at Mackey Arena, I think it's now where the um, uh, like the soccer field are at now, the, uh, out that way. Yep. And I remember running out there, and I just said, "What in the world am I doing?" <laughs> and I just started walking. Yeah, I was with Todd, and Todd kept going, and Everett kept Everett ran a little longer, but he started walking too. But <laughs> and and I remember, I guess the joke was. I was one of the last ones, if not the last one, that came in. I was wow. so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Bullock told Coach Weber, he said, "Hey, you better go get your shooter out there. He's out by the cows. <laughs> That's when they had their cow pastures out there." <laughs> <laughs> then we had to go lift weights, and and I remember just doing curls, and I told myself, I said, "There's no way." that Kansas is doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Little buyer's remorse early on, huh? Oh, I was like, there's – then we had to go play. So I never lived – back then, we didn't lift, you know, especially in high school. We yeah. never lifted in high school. Yeah. And if we did lift in high school, it was during the summertime, and it was just one of those universal machines. It wasn't even – you know, because back then, you know, hey, lifting will mess up your shot, you know, the old myth. And uh, so we had ran, lifted, and then I had to go play against, you know, <laughs> seniors and juniors. And, you know, I'm going like, oh, my God. I was like, there's no way. Well, especially when you're a shooter. When, yeah, when you're a shooter. Exactly. Like, I don't, if people, people who haven't played before, when you lift weights <laughs> and then go try to shoot a basketball, good luck oh. to you. It feels like your arms are oh. jelly. I mean, you can't even lift the ball above your head. And that's what happened to me. And I was like, and I remember the next day, Elliot, I remember the next day I woke up and I could barely get out of the bed because <laughs> I was so sore. And, you know, it's really the, the second day is where you get, you know, where you feel the worst. Right. And it was just the first day. Yeah. And I was like, I have to do this for six weeks before we even play. <laughs> and it was such an eye-opener that this is – but the competitor in me, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get this snow. I said, I'm going to – you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to – you know, quitting was never in my 
from in my mind. Right. I was just thought it was just like this is the hardest thing I ever had to go through. Well, when, when you came in, I mean, you and you and Todd and Everett, um, you know, it's very well documented. You guys had a great, great uh, tenure here and one of the iconic kind of groups to come through Purdue basketball. Um, but when you guys came in together, did you have the hype uh, coming um, in? Yeah, we were – our recruiting class was, I think, was number three in the country. Okay, so it was uh, there from the beginning. Yeah, it was there. Yeah, it was there. It was an anticipation mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that we were going to – you know, plus we had Jeff Arnold, uh, right. who was out of California, and Dave Stack. Uh, then we uh, – Doug Lee transferred in from Texas A&M. Yep. So, you know, so they had, had us uh, – uh, as one of the, the better. And then he had, we also had Robert Littlejohn, who was a, uh, uh, was a Juco transfer that came in too, as well. He was one of the high Juco players. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to say too much about Robert, but things happened yeah. there recently, but he was, he was part of that class. He was part of that class. So we had a lot of, uh, hype going into our, our freshman year and a, and a good freshman year I mean, you guys were 20 and 9 11 and 7 overall in the league and the league was uh, mm-hmm. loaded as people can loaded. imagine back in those days um your sophomore year um you know you win 22 games 11 and 7 again in the league um but you you guys broke into the the rankings a little bit um your sophomore mm-hmm. year you got yep. up to as high as 15 and um you know we're um winning a lot of games and beating a lot of good teams. And then really then things kind of turn between your sophomore and junior year in terms of the, okay, now expectations. Um, you guys start your junior year, the 1986-87 season. You ranked fourth in the country um, and really had a – that's when, you know, you kind of took things to another level. Those two years, your junior and senior year, um, really, I think, kind of put Coach Katie and Purdue basketball on a different level. Would you? Would you say? Is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the expectation uh, was there, and we, you know, we took it like you say. We took it to the next level. Where in the past, it was always they surprised people. Mm-hmm. You know, coach. You know, the old. You know, I, I, I never use this word, and I hate to use. it. I don't think it's a, such a word as overachieving because either you can do it or you can't. And a lot of that's someone else's expectation of you so when they you know you know when Will Winsky and, and and Steve Reed and Bullock and all those guys won the Big Ten that year in Atkinson you know they just surprised a lot of people they had talent though that, that team yeah. had some talent the yeah. Ricky Hall and, yeah uh, and so Eifert was on the team so you know they actually had some talent and uh, but you know when we our junior and senior year uh, you know, the expectation was there, and, and we wanted that. And I always felt that way because, like, it, it was part of my DNA because of Anderson. Growing up in Anderson, we were always expected to, you know, my sophomore year in high school, we were ranked number one preseason. My senior year, we were ranked number one preseason in high school. So I always felt that. I always felt that's where I wanted to be. So it wasn't anything. I didn't, never, I didn't feel the pressure. Yeah, I felt like I felt comfortable. I said, this is normal for me. This is normal to be ranked high and to 
have this aspiration of winning the Big Ten and winning a national championship. Yeah. So, and, I, and I know Todd won the state championship as a uh, as a junior and then ever played in the state championship in high school as well. So we were all familiar with success in high school, which a lot of other, you know, D1 players do too. But, you know, we just felt like that's where we belong. Yeah, that's important. I think it's important to have that um... – expectation level but also to be comfortable with it there's one thing to have the expectations there's another another question of how you're going to react when those expectations are placed upon you um and you guys delivered i mean two big 10 championships um in in 50 you went 15 and 3 your junior year um 16 and 2 your senior year um you know in those days there was no big 10 tournament um you know you played the 18 league games talk a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) Talk about um, you went two and two in those two years against Indiana, um, and you know those Indiana was especially your junior was really good. Um, what were those games like? What are what are your memories of those <laughs> those those hookups? Well, I just remember the one game that stood out a lot was my our junior year when um, when Dean Garrett uh, we were we were playing well down the stretch and we were either one game behind Indiana at the time. And he told the Indianapolis star that Purdue didn't want it as much as Indiana wants. Oh, I've I've not heard this story. This is good. Yeah. And and coach Katie put it on the bulletin board and, uh, and he was like, Oh, you guys don't want it. You know, Indiana think you guys are. And we were just like, Oh, we want it just as bad as they do. And I remember we started that game. We just like, you know, you're not going to win here. You know, it was like, <laughs> and Dean didn't score a point, and uh, Mel McCants did a great job guarding them. Wow. Uh, we were just so hyped uh, before that game um, that and we we knew that uh, that we were going to beat them that day. Well, you uh, talk about a big matchup. You uh, So Indiana was ranked third in the country. You guys were ranked sixth in the country. And you were just coming off a huge win at Illinois uh, mm-hmm. the game before. The Illinois was ranked 14th, and you guys went over there and beat them by a point. And then you come home and beat Indiana 75-64. That had to be – yeah, that had – that Mackey had to be rocking that night. Oh, you know how it is. Yeah. You guys know yeah. how it is. It is just uh, – it is just, you know, you had the way – but Mackey was different. Mackey yeah. was like – it was just deafening. It was – uh, yeah, I mean, it was like that on any big games, um, uh, with, uh, the plane and, uh, I don't want to get off the subject here. I mean, that's, but we played Louisville after Louisville won the national championship. Purvis was a freshman. They came in and played us the following year. Yeah. And, and I remember after the fight song, when we were warming up, you know, before we went to the benches, you how you know how it is. Yeah. yeah. As soon as that fight song ended, it was so loud in there. <laughs> we couldn't hear. No, we tried to talk to each other, and we couldn't even hear each other. And we was like, oh man, we were just so hyped. Yeah. To play that game, and you just go like, they're not going to beat us. Yep. I mean, you just like. I don't care what they do or how they play. We're going to win this game tonight. Yeah, and, uh, and that's a tribute to the fans we have at uh, at Purdue. I mean, even when I watch games now, like you know, watching Carson and, and even back to Big Dog and all the way up to Robbie and and 
and stuff. I would tell people, like that time you guys beat Michigan State a couple of years, I was like, they're not going to win. I said, Michigan State's not going to beat us. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the place that you had game day there or whatever, I was like, it's over. I think that was what Etwan was. I was like, it's over. I was like, we don't lose those games. Yeah. I was like, and we you know, just don't. It's funny because I've had those feelings where, and and maybe it's just being superstitious or what, you, but it's like you don't want to verbalize that, but you have that feeling in your gut like, oh, this is over. Like, yeah, yeah, we got we're yeah. gonna go out and, and live it and go through it, but but there is no doubt in my mind we're winning this game. And I've had that feeling a ton. Uh and I never I never express it because I don't want to be the jinx and then feel awful about it. But uh oh, yeah, no, there's... you never wanna get you never <laughs> wanna come out loud and say it, but you 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 know and it was another uh, my senior year on Indiana beat us uh our first time our senior year, they upset us because mm-hmm. we were number two in the country. Yep. And I remember that game on two ways. I remember that game one, we got down so big down there at Bloomington. We got down as much as 20 points or something. We came all the way back. And I remember at the end of the game, people always ask me about the Indiana rivalry. What I remember most is obviously when Bobby Knight threw the chair. Yeah. But is I threw the ball away mm. my senior year at the it wasn't like it was the end of the game, but it was a crucial part of the game. We were winning, and I remember I just got relaxed. I was kind of like a basical on my pass, mm-hmm. and I just remember throwing, and, and uh, Jay Edwards stole the ball. And we could have maybe got up five at the time, or I don't know, or two. We were winning, but and it just stuck with me, like that's why we lost mm. and then we had to play them again that later on that year mm. and i remember coming out and i told coach katie i said the first place for me i said you run this first play for me <laughs> and i remember joe hillman was guarding me and i got the ball and as soon as i caught it i turned shot it made it and I told him right in his face, I said, you're not bleeping going to win tonight. Said, no way. <laughs> there's a, I, you may, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this or not, but there's a story we always tell that um, when Joe Hillman was playing, that we, we beat them and you had to be involved in the game. And it was a record. It was a, some kind of a milestone for Coach Katie. Um, he was either, you know, he became the all-time winningest coach at Purdue or something. And Co- uh, Joe Hillman, who was a good free-throw shooter, had missed some free-throws in the game. And he gave the ball to Coach Katie in the handshake line and said, here, Coach, congratulations. And Coach kind of looked at him and said, keep it, babe. Go work on your free-throws. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we tell that story, I, and I've never got validation on it. I, we like it so much. Uh, we're gonna keep saying it. So, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be. Uh, that's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so those two years. One thing that's interesting at the time you played, um, the three point line comes into existence. Um, mm-hmm. Your junior year, correct? Yes. And ha- that had to be, as a shooter, that had to be like, hey, where you been all my life? Yeah, uh, but Coach Katie didn't <laughs> didn't think that way. <laughs> Coach Katie was like, "Why is that line here?" <laughs> oh. I, I mean, 
that's what I tell people. I said, we didn't use the line. I mean, it was like if you shot it because either you were, you know, just out there or it was the end of the shot clock, you never ran to it. I mean, that was a no-no. You were on a break and you ran and stopped at that three-point line to shoot. Oh, coach would would go nuts. We didn't. The only time we ran plays for threes were at the end of the game or the end of the half or something. It was never like you go and shoot this three. It was just it was just in the flow. You had to shoot it just in the flow. We were down late. You know, hey, we got to hit threes to get back into the game. But yeah. it was was not a part of our offense at all. I remember we played. I don't know if it was my junior year, or my senior year, but we were beating Northwestern so bad in the first half. And this is at Mackey. Coach Katie told Everett and I, "Don't shoot any threes." <laughs> Believe it or not, he said, "Do not shoot threes." What's we incredible? What's incredible is you made a hundred threes that year, which is a Purdue record. My senior, yeah, my yeah. senior year, yeah, and that's only because it was the next year, and he kind of embraced it a little more. Gotcha. Now we were able to, because you know we worked on it all summer long, and and uh, and he knew that we can make them. Yeah, <laughs> that was that's a weapon. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's something we can use. But even then, it still wasn't like. We didn't run to it, yeah. You know, yeah. It right. wasn't like okay, I'm gonna come and spot up, and you know, at times right. I might have, I might have did it every now and then, but I had to be sneaky about it. Yeah, you weren't yeah. like Carson Murray. You didn't have to just <laughs> oh, walk, in the, God, walk, no. walk in the gym and throw it up. Oh my! These goodness. guys, oh, these Carson. guys probably watch Carson like just green with envy when some of the the oh, of the, the ultimate I'm, green light. That oh. uh, that. Uh, game at the end of the year yeah, when uh, game. him and Guy went after each oh, other. Was, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that, that was an all-timer, man. You know, that was back in the Cassie Russell days. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Rail days and Rick Mount days when both teams would have one really good score and the two of them would just go off yeah. against each other. But yeah. that was, uh, that was uh, Guy against, uh, uh, our two guys, and uh, boy, they <laughs> that was unbelievable. Yeah, and the stage, and the stage, it was on that. too. Yeah, and neither yeah. one of them, were, and neither one of them were shooting close to the line. No, man, that'd have been so fun if Coach would have gave us that type of green light. <laughs> oh my goodness, I mean, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys. Oh man, I wish I did. You know, I, I never, you know, thought that, but. It would have been fun. <laughs> it would have been fun to go like I could shoot this any because once I got out of college, started playing some professional leagues. Oh, I was just letting it fly. Sure, it was, it was just a different attitude. But to, to be able to have, even though Coach never told me I couldn't shoot, I knew that I had eh, a little restriction of just coming down and pulling up. You know, when yeah. I want to. Now, I, I did every now and then. I mean. uh Every blue moon I did come down and just fired up a three, you know, just off the pass, but it wasn't uh, wasn't on a consistent basis. Well, and as as Cliz said, you did it for four years. I mean, you averaged double figures all years, and you know, end up scoring two thousand over two thousand points, and uh, you know, you get your 
get your jersey put in the rafters for being a 2,000-point score and, and two-time Big Ten champ and really, really um, uh, kind of took the program to, to another level. Um, we were talking before we started taping here that, uh, um, you know, and for our fans to know, you know, you're you're very um, connected to us still. You know, you talk to I talk to you quite a bit. I know you talk to Coach Painter quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you get back to campus uh, very often for games and and just kind of swinging through. Um, and just kind of talk to us about what you're up to now. You're still around the game uh, doing some coaching stuff. Yes, I've been um, assistant uh, varsity coach uh, at Springboro High School. I've uh, been doing it. This will be my eighth year uh on the staff and uh as crazy as this may sound you know i'm, I'm in charge of the defense you know, <laughs> i got i got i got full rain i i do all our schemes i do you know you know kind of like you know with your coaching staff you know at purdue where everybody has their assignment and yeah uh, the head coach was like hey defense is your baby you do whatever you want and he lets me have free reign and i love it you know but what people don't realize as an offensive player you know, always knew what defense that bothered me. Yeah, you know, there you go. There are different things that, okay, I had to get ready for and the boxing ones and, and all that. That's all in high school and college. And uh, actually, I actually love to play defense. You know, I wasn't great at it, you know, <laughs> but I took pride in not letting someone try to score. Yeah. You know, or yeah. the team defense. You know, I was really more of a team defender than I was obviously uh, a hawk defender. I let Everett take care of that. Yeah. And Tony Jones, you know, they're, yeah. they're the, uh, you know, what I call the island guys who can just stay on the island and guard their guys. Right. Or, or uh, 40 Ricky Hall. Ricky Hall, yeah. Yeah. You know, I took more pride in, okay, if Everett gets beat, will I be there for him? You know, will I would be able to take that charge if he got beat or something like that. And so I always took pride in, 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 in playing defense. And so, so that's what I do now. <laughs> I try to, I try to teach our guys, uh, you know, to, to you know, to communicate and, and uh, be in help defense for your, for your teammates. So, um, so that, well, that's great. And the, and the other thing we were talking about is the, um, frequency to which we each talk to coach Katie and just talk about your relationship and, you know, playing for him and, um, just kind of what that relationship's meant to you over the years. Oh, it's been great. I mean, coach is, he's been more than just a coach. Uh, you know, when my mom needed things done and my mom was big in the community of Anderson and she called coach up, uh, to speak, uh, at several events and he, he came with no problem didn't ask for anything, no money, no nothing. He just did it on his own. Um, anytime I needed anything outside of, uh, basketball or if I needed something coaching wise, uh, I would call him up and ask. And it was never anything I can't say or ask of coach that he wouldn't do. Um, you know, I'm very, very fortunate, you know, to have the family, the support that I had growing up uh, playing basketball, and also my Purdue family, you know, with Coach Coach Weber, Todd Everett, and Tony Jones is the – Mel McCants and all the other guys I, I played with. Uh, I just, just feel so fortunate, and, and, you know, with the coaching staff now, with you guys, it's home, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just the relationship. It's that family uh, atmosphere. I don't feel like, 
you know, some players, you know, I've talked to other, I, I work here in Ohio and I work with a lot of University of Dayton guys who they don't feel like they can go back to their school and, and ask for tickets and do things and stuff. And I'm going, you know, I shake my head going like, wow. I said, I don't understand that. I, said, yeah. I know that I can always, you know, talk to Coach Katie anytime I want, talk to Coach Weber anytime I want, and, and go back to Purdue anytime I want and not feel like I'm, you know, taking something away or pulling teeth or anything like that. It's, right. Uh, you know, like I said, I've just been very fortunate in my life to, to be able to uh, have a support system like that. Yeah, well, it's you. You've you've been great to us and the current staff, and and um, it's it's just one of those things. I, I talk to people all the time about just the Purdue basketball family and how, and I've said it a bunch on this podcast that, and I just I don't think it can be said enough that a lot of people you know uh, talk the talk about a kind of a an, an alumni basketball family, and few people kind of walk the walk. And I feel like any time that we connect with anybody, any of the former players that, you know, it's not just a token phone call or a, to- a token, you know, conversation, that it actually means something. And every time we get you guys back, it's it's special. And um, what's helped us a lot is just our current players seeing that and wanting to be part of it, you know, and future Purdue guys looking at that and saying, man, that's that's something I want to be a part of. And um, you've always been great with your time with, with the current you know, team as well. So we w- always want to thank you for that. Uh, I really thank you. Just like when I – texted you the other day or a couple of weeks ago about can I get some uh, film of practice mm-hmm. and uh, and you said no problem no problem and you got a hold of the video guy and he sent me some stuff so I can work on some drills defensive drills that I can show our kids and so that's the relationship that uh, we have and I hope hopefully the kids who are on the team now like you talked about that once they're done they can you know that's always will be home for our show, Matt, and you guys do a good job of uh, stressing that to them. Uh, I got to tell you this funny story, though. The head coach's son, uh, head coach is a big North Carolina fan, big time. So his son was, you know, predisposed to being North Carolina. So uh-huh. now his son's got to an age now. He's, uh, I want to say he's in third grade. I want to say he's okay. in third grade. That's all he has is Purdue stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you, this kid is his whole room. He changed his whole room to all Purdue. That's so you've done your he job, has, right? Yeah, he has all the, you know, this Halloween, he's going to dress up as Carson Edwards in his, <laughs> in his Celtics, Celtics uniform. <laughs> And uh, so that always, you know, because that's how much I talk about Purdue in Ohio. <laughs> that's Cause awesome. Because I love my school, you know, and he got he got it. He was like, because I would wear my Purdue thing all the time. And he always looked at me, hey, Coach Lou. He called me Coach Lou. He said, I like that shirt. And then him and I just started talking. And I was like, I gave the basketball. I gave like a coach had a Purdue basketball game. I gave it to him. And then that just started everything that's awesome you know he is just a big him and i are in the locker room we always talk about pretty basketball that's awesome well when it gets in your blood it's 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 something special so go ahead yeah before before you leave though i gotta i have to ask troy what is 
what his initial thought was when that last second clicked off the clock in uh, where were we? Um, you talk about the Detroit? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, the 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 your senior play year. That, yeah, your senior yeah. year in the um, in the NCAA tournament, and basically your it'll be your last game at Purdue and. I was I wasn't going to go there, but Kliz decided to, to go there. <laughs> uh, actually, the the first thing that went through my mind was, I can't believe it's over. That's the yeah. first thing I told myself. I said, I can't yeah, believe I'm, it's I'm, over. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, and it's just the pain wasn't really for me. It was for Coach Katie. I mean, I felt like I did not do my job that I did not get us to the final four and get coach to the final four. Uh, just remember this in the locker room, seeing coach, his body language. That oh, I, I, was like, I was like, you know, how, you know, I, I let down. I just felt like I let my dad down mm-hmm. and I did not get out of my uniform until the next morning. Mm-hmm. I actually slept in my uniform. Wow all night long and um yeah it was you know you had um, to go to those press conferences afterwards and i and i never looked up when i was sitting in the on po- sitting at the podium i never at the table i never looked up mm. the whole time they're asking questions uh, i don't remember looking up a bio but in my mind you know it was the worst feeling in the world well, we know, you know, when you hear that, I mean, you know how much the place means to you and how much the relationship with Coach Katie. And uh, this has been a, an absolutely great conversation. I think, um, you know, all of our fans are going to really enjoy this, um, that listen to it. And, uh, you know, we just appreciate you taking time to join us today. Uh, I appreciate you having me here. Uh, really, I uh, had a great time. And please keep doing your thing, my man. Thank you. Well, Troy, we, we – as we look an upcoming season for you guys. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, I almost forgot here as we wrap up, um, I always do a quick final four questions with all of our guests. And I want to run okay. these off to you real quick. And these are kind of some off the beaten path questions. So okay. first question of our final four is what is your go-to music of choice? Oh, good question. Uh, uh, old school rap. Okay. Anything old school rap. Yeah. So you and Coach Painter could talk for days on that because that's that's yes. Coach's deal too. <laughs> uh, second question of the Final Four is: um, What is your uh, the best book or a good book you've read recently? Uh, I've not read uh, too too much recently, but my my favorite book uh, I would say had to be when I uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's book, his autobiography. Oh, okay, very cool. We yeah. hear about Kareem all the time. Coach Brantley on staff is a huge Kareem fan, and every time the the debate over the best all time player comes up, he always goes with Kareem. So uh, I can't fault him for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a and a, a very wise man. Um, a lot of accomplishments off the court as yes. well. So very very yeah. cool individual. Third question on the final four with Troy Lewis is: If you could wave a wand and do any profession you wanted tomorrow, what would that be? I'll play baseball. Be a professional baseball player. Really? Okay. Yes. So who's your team? Yes. Who's your baseball team? Uh, Cincinnati Reds. Okay. I also like the Yankees as well because of Derek Jeter. 
Yeah, hard, uh, hard to. Big, uh, yeah, I was a big Jeter fan. Yeah, he's one of a kind. And a Reggie Jackson fan too. I love Reggie when I was a kid. Oh, okay, <laughs> very cool. So you yeah. and, did you and Coach Katie always talk about the Yankees? Oh, we always do. We, yeah, uh, every time we yeah we call each other. We, yeah, we always talk about the Yankees all the time. Yeah, yeah. Coach Katie's a big Yankee fan, which started when the. Yeah. Uh, there was an affiliate out where he grew up in Kansas of the Yankees, and that's kind of how he started rooting for the Yankees. So very cool. I didn't wouldn't have thought about that. And final question on the Final Four is, what is something that no one or very few people know about you? <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, uh, I really love music. I, I I really love music. So like music. I, you have it going all the time. Are you are you the guy that walks around uh, with the earbuds all the time? Um. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't like to do that. Like when I go to the mall or go to the grocery shop. No, yeah. I, I okay. don't do that. I, but I'm always. I gotta have music on when I wake up. Okay. Um, I would love to. I can't play any instruments. I'm envious of that. Uh, but I'm just, I, I, I just love listening to music and golf is a close second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew you were a big golfer. I knew you were a big golfer. Oh, go a second. But yeah, so, uh, yeah. And I think I got that from my mom. So she, she was very influential in the, uh, loving music. So what, 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 what was she listening to when you were growing up? Uh, we listened to the Jackson fives, uh, anything mm-hmm. Motown, yeah. Aretha Franklin, she listened to a lot. That's awesome. Uh, so, like, when I work out, I, I like to, like I said, I'm more old school rap. But I I will put my uh, Motown on. And, uh, well, when when Aretha passed a couple years ago, I went through a like two week stretch where I listened to all of her stuff, and man, talk about one of a kind. Yes, Woo. yes, very yes. special. She can, she can blow. That's yep. for sure. <laughs> well, that's yeah, well, awesome. I grew up. Well, I grew up in uh, in the Cleveland area. The uh, you know, uh, Motown was really big. This was in the uh, 1960s, and they were just coming on the on the scene. And man, I mean, it was it was really great. And of course, all the radio stations in those days they they would play uh, a lot of songs uh, from places like the big the big stations and it, it was it was great listening to those artists all the time well and that was kind of the epicenter of music at that time i mean it was just all yeah. so new and really really cool stuff so well troy thanks so much for joining us we oh, really appreciate you. it um thanks for all you do for us and uh, especially for taking time today uh here on the podcast okay anytime guys take care okay man thank you all okay. right, so All that right. was episode okay. 59 here on the podcast with the great Troy Lewis. And I want to thanks everybody for uh, joining and listening. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Mm-hmm.